0: Thank you worship team for leading us in worship and we are gonna get into the word of God in just a moment but I wanted to share something with you. Last weekend was a big weekend for our family. My uh, 22-year-old daughter, Mandy, was married last weekend. She was actually scheduled to have her wedding on April 25th and it was gonna be a larger affair but as you know, when the virus hit, everything was shut down including weddings so we had to cancel her wedding But we decided, or she decided actually, along with her fiancé, Brennan, to go ahead and have a small ceremony with the family. And that happened last Saturday. It was the unstoppable wedding. And it was a great time. We went up to Laguna Niguel, and uh, there we had the ceremony overlooking the ocean at about 6 o'clock. Now, the plans were great. We were going to get there and uh, have the ceremony overlooking the beautiful blue ocean On a bluff, we had picked out the spot, and when we got there, it was a beautiful day. Last Saturday, the wedding ceremony was going to be at 6 o'clock, and at 5.30, guess what rolled in? Yeah, you guessed it, the fog. And as we stood on the bluff, we couldn't even see the ocean. It was foggy. It was all covered in fog. But that didn't stop this wedding from happening. So my 22-year-old daughter is married. There's some pictures of her and her fiancé, now her husband, Brennan, my new son-in-law. And it was a a wonderful time. It was unstoppable. Uh, They are now married, and we're very excited for them. Before we get into the Word of God, let's have a word of prayer, commit this time to the Lord. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to open up your Word and reflect on what we've been learning so far. And I, I pray, God, that our hearts would be ready to receive what you want to teach us this morning. We want to reflect on what's been happening in the birth and growth of the church in the book of Acts. And we want to apply some of these lessons to our lives today, and what we're experiencing with COVID-19 and this virus. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to make application in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, church, we have been covering the book of Acts. We've been talking about the church being unstoppable. And and that's such an important concept, that the church, as it grew in the book of Acts, it has now spread around the world, the unstoppable church. And today I thought I'd do this. We have covered eight chapters entering into the ninth. And I thought I'd just stop for a while and reflect on the big picture lessons that we have learned from the book of Acts and how we can apply these lessons to our lives. I know if you're like me, uh, you have been spending quite a bit of time at home. I've had a lot of time to read the word of God and reflect on things that are happening around the world. And my heart breaks for every death count that I hear from this virus. But but I know through it all, God wants to teach us something. God wants us to be stronger at the end of this trial than we were at the beginning. And our God is an awesome God. And I thought I'd just do this. Share six lessons that come out of the first eight chapters of the book of Acts. We left off last week with Saul being in full agreement with putting Stephen to death. And then Philip was an evangelist to the Samaritans and a revival occurred in Samaria, this group of people that the Jews loved to hate. And then Philip leading the Ethiopian eunuch to faith in Christ and baptizing that Ethiopian eunuch. That was all happening in chapter 8. But in chapter 9, we read about Saul. And it says this in chapter 9 of the book of Acts. And Saul, still breathing threats against the church, against the disciples. He was still breathing threats against the disciples, ravaging the church. Things looked pretty bleak. Persecution was intense. The apostle, the person who would later become the apostle Paul, his name was Saul. Here was, the Bible says, ravaging the church, attacking the church. Says he was breathing threats and murder. It was that intense against the disciples of the Lord. And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. Now, Damascus was in the country of Syria. Saul, later Paul, was going to cross country lines, country borders, and go to Syria and start arresting Christians there. That's how far the church had already spread. Even with persecution, God was growing the church. It was unstoppable. But I want to share some lessons with you today that I think are really important. The bottom line is this. The church is triumphant but under attack, and going through one trial after another. Maybe sometimes you feel like that. Like you're going through one trial after another. Uh, there, There must have been mixed emotions by every disciple of Christ. Hey, the church is growing. People are coming to faith in Christ. But we're being persecuted, threats of persecution, and people being thrown in jail, and threats of murder. And Stephen, one of our own, was stoned to death. It was a difficult time for the church. It was a difficult time. And I know for this world right now, we are going through a difficult time with this virus. It is amazing how this virus that started in Wuhan, China, has brought every major economy to its knees. It just shows us how frail our human systems are, how frail we are but there are some important lessons that I think can encourage you and encourage me that I see from the book of Acts. And that's what I want to do, reflecting back on the qualities that the church demonstrated under fire will assist us in living out those same qualities during this time of trial. How should we live during this time of trial as the church? And today I want to look at qualities that this amazing group of believers at the very beginning of the church demonstrated. They are, by the way, your spiritual brothers and sisters. You will see them in heaven. You'll meet them in heaven. You have all eternity to meet these first Christians, these first believers who grew the church and turned the world upside down. As you know, talking about Philip and now, about Saul's attacks on the church. We are in the second section of the book of Acts. Uh, In chapter 8, the action was occurring in Samaria. But now we're going to find out uh, about what it means to be a follower of Christ under persecution in these chapters. A period of transition for the church. And next week we're going to talk about the amazing conversion of Saul to Paul. uh, From a persecutor of the, the church to a planter of churches we'll talk more about that next week but i want to share some lessons from the church that we can look at even now here's the first lesson i see from the first eight chapters of the book of acts it's this god is totally sovereign god is in control and church today if there's one lesson that we need to have as a foundation of biblical christians it's this God is totally sovereign; He's in control. Uh, and you may think, "Well, Mel, what about this virus? If God's in control, couldn't He have stopped it?" Of course, He could have. Of course, He could have. But as you know, as we've talked about that uh, th- that reality in the past, that our God is sovereign. We are a planet in rebellion against God. We've rebelled against this plan. His plan was perfect from the Garden of Eden, but he gave Adam and Eve the choice to worship him or the choice to disobey him. And we know what they chose. They chose to disobey God. They chose to sin against the plan of God that God had given to them. And as a result, death came in to this world. And every death, every illness, every famine, every epidemic, every pandemic is a result of humans rebelling against God, of mankind rebelling against God's plan. I love the verse in the book of Acts. It says this, they were gathered together, it says in chapter 4, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate, Peter, is recounting the story of Jesus. And he said, they gathered together against Jesus. Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. See, Herod and Pontius Pilate, they thought they were making all of these great moves to stop Jesus. But as we see from the text, they were doing exactly what God had predestined would happen. That God had decreed that Jesus would come and lay down his life for us on the cross. Nothing would stop that plan. Here's a great reminder Was that plan a difficult plan? Yes, it was. Was the cross a difficult experience? Yes, it was. But it was God's perfect plan. And God took something that at first glance seemed so negative, so bloody, so gory. Jesus being flogged and then nailed to a cross and hanging there for six hours. Jesus took that negative experience and made it something awesome. God took that negative experience and made it something wonderful for us. It was in that very, what seemed to be negative experience, that we found freedom. Freedom from what we've done wrong. The opportunity to be, and here it is, forgiven. See, it was all part of God's plan. And my belief is the early church understood that. That's why they were confidently sharing about Jesus, even when there were threats of being jailed and imprisoned and murdered for their faith. Even when they saw Stephen stoned to death. God is sovereign. God is in control. And all those people who tried to stop Jesus, they worked their way right into God's plan. Here's another verse, and it reminds us of why we call this series the Unstoppable Church. Jesus said this I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, Jesus promised us ultimate victory no matter how hard. No matter how, matter how intensely this world tries to stop the church, it can't. Can't stop it. Because God is sovereign. And the gates of hell were not going to prevail against the church. I hope that encourages you today. Whatever you're going through, know this the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The message of the cross, the message of J- Jesus continues. Uh, There's a verse that's familiar to all of us, Romans 8.28, and it should remind us again of how sovereign our God is. It says this, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Do you believe that today, church? All things work together for good. That even this pandemic that we are suffering from today, God has a purpose for it. I don't believe he necessarily caused this. He certainly allowed it to happen. But the more we find out about how this virus started, the more it seems like it was a man-made mistake of a virus that escaped from a lab that should never have happened, should never have escaped, but it did. And it's brought devastation to this world. But you know, even in this terrible, terrible pandemic, The reality is this, God's going to work all things together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, that's believers, right? It's those who believe in God that even if someone comes to the end of their lives as a believer because of this pandemic, God's going to work it out for good. That's a promise we can hold on to. I've read articles and talked to people who complain about this verse, How can the Bible say that God is going to work out all things together for good? What if you're on an airplane as a Christian and the engines fail and you're going to crash? How can God work that out for good? Well, The answer is obvious. Because we go from this life to eternal life. From this sinful world to an amazing, sinless place that God has prepared for us. See, God's worked it out for good. Even... In death. Death, like 1 Corinthians 15 says Death, where's your sting? It's gone. Because God is totally sovereign. These words have encouraged me a great deal over the years, and I hope they encourage you. Matthew 10, 29, and 31. Jesus said this Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them? Think about this verse, church. Not one of these sparrows will fall to the ground apart from your father. Think about that truth. That the birds that are flying around here on our church property today, not only here though, but around the world, every bird that falls to the ground will not fall to the ground apart from God's knowledge. That shows you how awesome our God is. That shows you how we need to trust our God, that he is sovereign. He knows what's going on. And I love verse, the next verse. It says, But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, for you are of more value than many sparrows. Here's the lesson. God is sovereign so we can live by faith and not by fear. We don't have to be afraid. Our God is sovereign. He knows what's going on in your life. He holds you in his hands. That's reassuring for me. You know, I I had a medical issue about nine, ten years ago, and I came this close to the end of my life. I had a heart attack. No symptoms at all. Working in my backyard, and all of a sudden I realized something very negative was happening. And uh, they had to paddle my chest at the hospital more than 30 times with those electric paddles to keep me alive. I was in a coma for nine days. And that whole experience, as people were praying for me, has reminded me of how fragile our lives are and how fragile this life is. But we have a God who is sovereign. Thank you, by the way, for your prayers. Uh, The medical staff was telling my family I would probably never, ever go home again because I had been basically dead on the table for an hour and a half as they were paddling my chest time after time trying to keep me alive. Thank you for your prayers. The power of prayer is amazing. But it reminds us of how fragile our lives are. And our foundational belief about our God is this. God is in control God is sovereign. He knows us and we can trust him today. You are of more value than many sparrows. If God knows this much about a sparrow, how much more does he care and know about you? See, our God is totally sovereign. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 reminds us, for by him all things were created. That's how awesome our God is. And he's talking here about Jesus, by the way in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. That means you were created through Jesus. You were created for Jesus. He started it all, the 400 billion galaxies that I often mention here at Riverview. God created all of those galaxies with hundreds of billions of stars in each galaxy. That, that shows you how awesome our God is. Then verse 17 says this, "And he is before all things, and in him, all things what? Hold together. Our God is sovereign. That's why when he makes a promise, he can fulfill it. Church today, realize our God's in control. You know, this past week, my family and I went down to the beach at night and we wanted to see the red tide. Maybe you've heard that the red tide is in town. And I I had seen it before, but I was always like, I don't don't quite see it. Uh, But this time, when we were down at the beach at night, my wife and kids, it was vibrant. I have a picture here of what it looked like. Look at that vibrant blue. I don't know why they call it red tide because it was blue. A vibrant fluorescent blue Blue, all caused by this algae that's in the water. And I was reminded again of how creative our God is. And as we were trying to watch this, you know, we were parked at the side of the road. The police would come up behind all the cars that were parked trying to see this. And they were pushing us away. They, they didn't want us to stop on the road to watch. But you know, they, they, no matter how hard they tried, they, they couldn't stop this red tide. It reminded me of how when God wants to do something in nature, man can't stop it god is sovereign his power is awesome they could force us to leave the beach but they couldn't stop the red tide this fluorescent blue water that came in and just reminded me of how creative our god is to create algae that would glow like that at night our god is an awesome god totally sovereign and in this pandemic that we're facing church God is in control. That needs to be a foundational truth of our lives. This holy God is sovereign and we can trust him. Here's the second thing I want you to remember that I see from the church and their early experience. The trials we experience are temporary. These trials will not last forever. Same is true of the church. Now persecution has been existing in the world forever. But Even if you've lived under persecution your entire life, these trials will not last forever. There is a time coming when we will step into eternity, into this place that Jesus has prepared for us. It won't last forever. This pandemic won't last forever, it's temporary. And our task as believers is to keep our eyes on eternal values. I love what it says in Romans 8, 35 and 37. It says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or dangerous sword? No. There's the key word. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What does that tell me? That tribulation, distress, persecution, famine nakedness danger sword even a pandemic will soon come to an end because what the word tells me is this we are more than conquerors through him who loved us see the battle has already been won my friends we're just waiting for the victory party we're waiting for the celebration party that's coming and yes we live in a fallen world and this two will pass it's temporary but here's our challenge as believers in christ walk through this pandemic one step at a time one step at a time it's a walk right that's what the word of god calls it our relationship with jesus christ is a walk What, what does that tell me you live it one moment at a time one day at a time you take one trial at a time when i moved out to california to come here as pastor. I left Chicago. And I remember I was driving my car with a trailer behind it. And uh, if I had known all the potholes I would hit before I left, I would never have started. I would never have started. If I had known, my car broke down on the way out here 10 years ago as I began my ministry here at Riverview Church, as I joined the wonderful folks here at this church, car broke down. If I had known all the little problems and potholes I would have driving out to California before I left, I would have never left. I would have just stayed at home. But the amazing thing is you take every pothole one pothole at a time, one problem at a time. Life is like that. You take life one moment at a time and you pray, God, give me the strength to walk through this problem in a way that honors you. Help me not to quit Help not to give up. That's what the church was like. Under persecution, they didn't give up. They went right back out preaching the word of God. They were arrested. The angel came, opened up the doors of the prison. They went right out to the temple, kept preaching the word of God. Kept doing it. Kept going one step at a time. My challenge to all of us, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward in your relationship with Christ. Don't let this drag you down. Like the early church, they didn't stop. They didn't give up. The threats that were levied against them, that didn't stop them. They did it all the more. One step at a time. Move through this pandemic one step at a time. Here's another great verse. John 16, 33 says this, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, if Jesus Christ has overcome the world, if he challenges us to take heart, to be courageous, then we know there's a promised victory at the end of this trial. Revelation twenty four one four gives us a great promise. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, <clears throat> nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. This too will pass. It will soon be over. Take it one step at a time. One step at a time. Here's another lesson I see from the book of Acts. Do right things even when wrong surround you. Do right things even when there's a lot of wrong happening around you. And that was true of the early church. They were being persecuted for loving God and loving Jesus. Uh, Stephen was stoned to death because he spoke the truth. But the challenge for us is, is not to fall to the level of the disappointing actions of others, but to continue to do right things as a church, even when wrong surrounds us. That's what I love about the early church. When they were told to not talk about Jesus anymore, they said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. They said to the Jewish leaders, hey, should we listen to you or should we listen to God? Here's the Obvious answer, we listen to God. Every decision we make, we stand on the Word of God. We listen to God. Every moral decision that we make in our lives, we make it based on the Word of God. Every moral position that we hold, we hold it based on the Word of God, not public opinion polls, not the opinions of our culture. We follow the Word of God. Why? Because we must obey God rather than man our desire is to please this awesome wonderful audience of one who laid down his life for us we want to please this audience of one we must obey god rather than man that's what the early church kept saying they said it again in the next chapter but, but the result was this, as they followed God, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. See, they did church God's way. That's how we're to do church as well, to do it God's way. And when they were challenged again in the next chapter, after chapter 4, to not talk about Jesus anymore. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> they said it again, Acts 5.29. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. See, we're to obey God. We're to do what God tells us to do. We're to live like that as Christians. Now, all around us are People who are disobeying God. And there are times when we disobey God. What do we do in response to that? We learn from it and pray, God, help me to not make that same bad decision again. Help me to not commit that sin again. Help me to be stronger and follow you. Because I have to obey God in my life. That, that's our goal. So, Review Church, that's why we love the Word of God. Because it's in the Word of God we find His creed will for so many decisions that we make in our lives it's right here in the word of god the wisdom of god's word is awesome and the more i live as a believer in christ the more i'm amazed at the wisdom of god when i counsel people i really don't want to give them my opinion and i'm sure you're the same way my opinion means nothing if it contradicts the word of god so why not go right to the source and give people the word of god this is what the bible says i don't want to be a bible thumper I don't want to hammer people over the head with the Bible, but I want to lovingly say, well, it doesn't really matter what I think, but you're asking me about this moral decision? Here's what the Word of God says. Here's what the Bible says. And and the will of God and his message to us is the most loving message people could ever hear. Like, for example, here's another great example of doing the right thing even when wrongs surround you Matthew 5.44 Jesus said but I say to you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you my guess is the early church was praying for those who were persecuting the early church my guess is there were people praying for Paul before he became a believer in Christ in Acts chapter 9 that's doing the right thing it's not hating our enemies but like Jesus said Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That's doing the right thing even when wrongs surround you. So our our challenge as believers in Christ, don't let the world drag you down. Don't start thinking negative thoughts about life and about God and things aren't working out the way I want them to and God, I'm angry with you. That's not doing right things when wrongs surround you. Doing right things is, God, what are you trying to teach me through this pandemic? What are the lessons I can learn? God, this is obviously a a timeout that you are, are using in our lives to help us focus on you again. At least that would be a very positive, reasonable goal that God would have for us, to slow down and focus on our relationship with him. Are you doing that? Are you taking time in the word? Are you doing right things? Are you praying? Maybe memorizing some verses in the Bible? Deepening your walk with Christ, trusting him in the midst of this pandemic, it's so important. Here's the fourth lesson I see from the early church. Be faithfully wise and not fearfully defeated. And here's the principle. Don't live in fear. Don't live in fear. Live in faith. Be faithful full and use the wisdom of God live by faith and trust God in the midst of this don't live in fear now uh, what I, I want to say and it's very important yes use your brain that God has given to you use the wisdom of God's word God has given us a brain to use that's why I've said a number of times in my devotionals and sermons that I think socially distancing ourselves from one another is a wise thing right You don't want to test God. Oh, man, I'm just going to go into a room filled with people who have COVID-19 and have them breathe on me because I trust God. That's testing God. The Bible tells us not to do that. But we are to live lives filled with faith, faith in God, and to use the wisdom that God has given to us. See, even in Acts chapter 8, when there arose a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, they didn't just stay and take it. They were scattered. They said, okay, we're out of here. There's persecution that's beginning. We're going to trust God. We're going to do the wise thing. We're going to leave Jerusalem. They were scattered. That was the wise decision. Even Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10. He said, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Jesus is saying, listen, when you go out there, there's going to be problems. People will attack you. I'm sending you out as innocent sheep. And believe me, sheep have virtually no defenses. They, They cannot defend themselves against wolves. They're defenseless. So what did Jesus say? Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Pray that God would give you wisdom in how to handle this pandemic, just like He gave the church wisdom regarding how to handle persecution. God promises that if we ask Him in James chapter 1, if we ask Him for wisdom, He'll give it to us generously. He's not cheap in the way He gives out His wisdom, in the way He doles it out. He's generous in giving out wisdom. So I want to encourage you, live by faith, not by fear. Use the wisdom God has given you. Use your brains. Washing hands, well, that's a smart thing to do. Avoiding situations where you might be overly exposed to this virus that, especially if you're in a risk population, could kill you. That's a wise thing. But still live by faith. Know that God is with you every step of the way. You know, even Jesus avoided the threats of the Jews against him. In John 10.10, he said this, I and the Father are one. He was making himself out to be God, and they they said that, because you being a man, make yourself out to be God. That's why we want to stone you. Again, they sought to arrest him, but Jesus escaped from their hands. See, he was using wisdom. It wasn't his time to lay down his life. Jesus used wisdom and escaped from their hands. Let us be a church that loves wisdom, loves to live by wisdom. That we pray, God, give us wisdom to make right decisions when it comes to trials like a pandemic. Because God, we want to trust you in that. Here's lesson number five. It's this. Remember the power of your testimony during trials. The way you live has a powerful testimony of people around you. Look at the early church. They were attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. And what was the response by the community? They were having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day, the Bible says, those who are being saved. The way you live now, if you live a life of faith, will have a testimony with others around you, who don't know Jesus. You know, things are going great and you're getting everything you want. They'll say, yeah, of course. That person follows God, but look at they have everything they want. Life is good for them. But let's see what happens when life goes bad. Let's see what happens when there's problems. And church, we need to rise up and be people of faith during this time of trial. We need to let the world know there is a living God and we trust him. He's sovereign. He's in control. And even if my life comes to an end, the story is a good one because I go to this place that God has prepared for us. In Acts chapter 5, it says it again. None of the rest dared join them. People were kind of afraid to join the Christians, but the people held them in high esteem. Hey, these people really live out what they believe. They live it out. And when we gather together as a church, I've said this a number of times at Riverview when I get to call new people. And I, I say, hey, did you feel warmly welcomed here at the church? Oh, pastor, that's one of the friendliest churches I've ever been to. Thank you for doing that you 're living out your faith you're you 're living out a testimony that 's so attractive to the world to a world that 's groping in darkness, looking for hope because they don 't have it they don 't have it and we have the cure for spiritual cancer it 's jesus and if there 's anything that should be real in our lives it 's the reality of Jesus Christ risen from the dead, alive today, and we're living by faith. And that testimony of people who live that way is a powerful testimony. That's why in the book of Acts with the early church, uh, the numbers kept growing. They kept growing. And, And it's not about numbers. It's not. It's about people experiencing this awesome God in a personal way that loved them all the way to the cross. And if you've experienced that, then there's a natural outcome that occurs. You want others to experience it. You want others to have the joy of knowing there is a God who made everything around us and loved us enough to die on the cross for us and has the power to fulfill every promise that he said. Every one of them. He has the power to do it. Riverview Church, let us rise up and be the church that has a testimony in this community of true faith in Christ. And then lastly, I want to share this with you. Make the most of this time that we have to draw near to God. Make the most of this time. Yes, we're apart, but I believe this is an amazing, wonderful opportunity to draw near to our awesome God. God has taken this pandemic, which was, again, a result of man's rebellion against God, ultimately our sin and rebellion against God. And God said, you know what, I'm going to use this as a timeout for the world, for everyone to slow down. We've talked about it so much, haven't we, at church? Simplifying our lives and slowing down and not being busy and caught up in the busyness of this world. Not to have uh, your kids involved in 18 soccer leagues and 15 basketball leagues and 13 art and craft clubs. But to slow down at times and to deepen our relationship with the Lord. See, in the early church, they were doing it day by day, attending the temple together. Acts 5 every day in the temple from house to house. They had a priority priority of deepening the relationship with God. So Ephesians 5.16, as we close today, says this, making the best use of the time that God has given to us because the days are evil. Make the best use of the time. We want to be the best followers of Jesus we can be. So you, I encourage you to take these six lessons and meditate upon them. Those lessons are right there in your phone. The notes are right there. Use them in your devotions this week. Be a person who lives out each of these six lessons in your life. And may we be the church that is truly unstoppable, even during a pandemic. May people see in us the reality of Jesus Christ in us, that he's alive in us today. And we trust him. We trust him, not only with our temporary lives but our eternal lives as well. God bless you, Riverview Church. I miss you. I can't wait till we come together in the near future. Don't know when that's going to be. We're going to meet outside first few Sundays at least. And it's going to be a great outdoor service. We'll have two services, not three. But we will be the church assembled together again. God bless you, and let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity we have to take these lessons from the early church and apply them to our lives during this pandemic. And Lord, I pray that we would do it faithfully. May we live out the reality of you risen from the dead. You are unstoppable, God. And that's what makes the church unstoppable because you empower us to live lives that please you each and every day. So Lord, we love you. And we pray this in your matchless name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Riverview Church, live this week, all for him.